0: Dish and Dirt with Gary Pickering, South Carolina's only podcast dedicated to the real estate agent's craft. And greetings, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dish and Dirt. I am your often irreverent and opinionated but rarely wrong host, Gary Pickering, coming from Blair Cato in beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina. So today's topic is the only topic that has been on anybody's mind for the last 12 months. No, I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about free Britain. Say what? And of course, we're talking about Britney Spears. Actually, that's only going to be a small part of our show today, but you always are supposed to lead off with your juiciest stuff, right? Now, before we get into all that is Britney, let's talk about this week's episode. Section forty fifty seven three seventy of the South Carolina Code of Laws discusses when and what you must do in explaining agency to your consumers. Now, we're going to delve into this statute over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to learn what you need to say and when you need to say it when it comes to agency. Then in my quick take today, I'm going to give you the cliff note version on all that is Brittany. And I know some of you really don't care about Brittany. Quite frankly, I don't either. But at least if someone is going to ask you about it or mentions it to you, or you see a stupid post on Facebook about it, you'll know what they're talking about. And finally, we'll end up, as always, with Gary's Good News Only. So let's go ahead and get started today. As I have mentioned before, I've represented well over 50 real estate agents before the Real Estate Commission for Grievances. Now that I'm on the Real Estate Commission, I'm unable to represent agents But I've been able to take all that experience I've learned from that to help you with this topic. When a grievance is filed and an investigation begins, one of the documents that the investigator can ask for, and often does ask for, is that proof of agency. Even if you were grieved upon a matter completely unrelated to agency, if in that investigation they determine that you did not follow the agency rules and regulations and the law as it pertains to agency, that whole matter can turn on that issue and now be an issue of agency. And in fact, I have represented a client who was grieved for an unrelated matter involving an air conditioner unit, which he ultimately was proved that he did not do anything incorrectly or improper when it came to that air conditioner unit. But at the end of the day, he wound up getting in trouble because when the investigator began the case, they asked for the agency documents, and it was established that he did not gain agency nor explain agency at the appropriate time, and therefore he wound up getting a grievance. Section 4057.370, the code, requires multiple tasks of a real estate agent that must be completed by you before you can provide client services. And remember, the client services we're really concerned about are advising, advocating, and counseling. And so we're going to discuss these services over the next few shows of Dish and Dirt. Now, some of these that we're going to talk about include what is first practical opportunity, what does it mean to have substantive or substantive contract, if you're from Spartanburg, like myself. Disclosure of broker relationships. When do you do that? How do you do it? What are your duties in the contract to denote receipt and relationship of agency? Is there a presumption of agency? And if so, what is it? And how do you handle agency when dealing with contacts through electronic means? But today, what we're going to start with is what is a meaningful explanation of agency and how to develop a better meaningful explanation of agency when you're talking to your consumers because under the law you are required to provide a meaningful explanation of agency to your consumer when the conversation turns substantive regarding one's financial needs or one's abilities to buy or one's desires or whatever they're looking for in the purchase of real estate or sell of real estate so when that conversation turns substantive which we'll delve, delve in more later you must provide a meaningful explanation of agency. So what is a meaningful explanation of agency? First, I believe that most agents struggle with a meaningful explanation of agency. And I believe the reason they do so is because they truly have no plan in mind when it comes to explaining agency. Once they meet the consumer and they know they have to go through agency, they fuddle through it, they do the best they can, but they have never really sat down and planned it or outlined how they're going to explain agency to a consumer. I think a lot of them have just never thought it through, never thought it out. Others have, but they've never really taken the time to decide if what they're saying is, in fact, a meaningful explanation. Now, we all practice listing agreements and the trade of trying to get people to sign listing agreements all the time. Agents go to webinars. They go to seminars. They travel all over the country to learn how to get more people to sign listing agreements and how to get them signed and what language you're supposed to use and what your sales pitch is. But rarely does a real estate agent spend equal time on trying to figure out how to get buyers to sign. And quite frankly, I think using agency and explaining agency is a very meaningful tool in getting more buyers and sellers to sign up with you. And a lot of agents struggle with that and say, it's where I lose most of my clients. I have them ready to sign. I sit down and I start talking to them about agency, and they decide they just don't want to commit to me. And the next thing I know, I've lost them to another agent. So today, when I give you these seven key words they are going to help you explain agency and help you have a very meaningful explanation of agency, these words are perfect words not only for following the law, but they're also perfect words for marketing because it's going to separate you from everybody else and it's going to show you what a, and your client what a great agent you are. And I have taught this these terms all over the state of South Carolina for 10 or 15 years now, and I've yet to have a real estate agent come back to me and say that did not work for me. In fact, some of the biggest agents in our market – have always credited me saying that these seven words are in fact how I do my explanation of agency. And I rarely, if ever, don't get a client to sign. So I believe that if you'll trust me and use these seven words in your explanation of agency, I believe you will be very successful. History has shown that. And I'll have to give credit to these words in a few minutes to the actual person who actually came up with this formula. What it talks about when we talk about a meaningful explanation of agency, what are we talking about? What is meaningful? Well, First of all, a meaningful explanation of agency must be correct. So you need to make sure that you truly understand agency before you explain agency. And if you don't understand agency, I don't know how you can explain it. So make sure that you go back and review the information when you became an agent as to what agency was and how it worked. If you are renewing your license this year, then you should have taken the class the mandatory continuing education class that included a section on agency. And so you should be able to understand agency. If you do not get with a seasoned veteran agent and ask them to help you understand it. Get with your broker in charge, or you can always call or call me and we'll be happy to sit down and go over agency with you. So the first point of meaningful explanation of agency is it must be correct. Secondly, it must be easy to understand. If you use jargon and uh, an acronyms and things of that nature, your client might not understand. We tend to forget in our industry that not everybody knows what a frog is or what a closing is or what a FISBO is because those are terms that we use all the time that the consumer may not know. So you have to make sure that your explanation is easy to understand and is correct. What I would recommend you do is sit down with pen in hand and a piece of paper and write down whatever it is your explanation of agency is. Make it thorough. Cover every single base. After you write it down, read it. And make sure it does truly present a correct uh, interpretation of what agency is, and it's easy to understand. And then you need to memorize it, and then practice it on a friend. After you explain it to your friend, ask your friend, "Do you truly understand what I'm saying?" If you don't understand what if they don't understand what you're saying, then you desperately need to start over and try to come up with a different explanation of agency. Remember, if your family and friends have no clue what you're talking about when you explain agency, it's likely that your consumer has the same. Misunderstanding. Now I'm going to give you an outline of how the explanation of agency should be done. I am not going to give you the word for word as to an explanation agency because agency needs to be done in your own words. It needs to be how you speak. And if I was to sit down and write out a paragraph or two on agency and said, here it is, and you memorized it, as soon as your clients asked you, what did you mean by or how does this work? You're not going to be able to understand it because it's not in your words. You need to write this agency explanation in your words and how you speak so that you can answer all of those questions. The seven words I'm going to give you are phenomenal words in explaining agency. And I'm going to give 100% of the credit of these words to Ruth Marcus. Ruth Marcus was a trainer at the former real estate agency, Russell and Jeff Coat, which was here in Columbia, South Carolina. It has since been balled out by a Colwell banker. And when Ruth Marcus was an educator, she was one of the best, absolutely one of the best. And I sat through many of her classes as a lawyer trying to understand more about real estate many, many years ago. And these were the seven words that Ruth Marcus says you must always use when you explain agency. So I'm going to give you the seven words, and then I'm going to talk about each of those words. So the first word is law, L-A-W, law. The second one is disclosed. Next, we have choice. We have representation fifth is relationship, six is writing, and seven is protection. So let me give those words to you again. Law, disclose, choice, representation, relationship, writing, and protection. All right, let me talk about each one of these words. Law. I am going to open up any explanation I have of agency with my consumer by talking about law. And so it's an easy transition to go from small talk into what you have to cover because once they start talking about what they want to buy, why they want to buy it, how much they can afford to pay, all you're going to do is interrupt and say, tell you what, John, before you tell me what kind of house you're looking for for your family, I am required by law. Now, why do we say that? Because real estate agents are as trusted as lawyers and used car salesmen, which isn't very trusted at all. And so because a consumer doesn't trust you, the most important thing in sales that you've always learned or should have learned is trust. Until you can establish trust with your consumer, you're going to have a very hard time getting your client signed. And so what you need to do is establish trust. What establishes trust more than telling the consumer at the very beginning, before they say anything to you, that I'm required by law to do something? Once you do that, you have set this bar very high for yourself and you have separated yourself from all the other agents who have not done this. So an agent that I taught how to do this years ago, told me the first time she did this speech that she was competing with three or four other agents. And when she finished that first statement, I'm required by law too, the consumer stopped her and said, you're required by law? And she goes, yes. Yeah. She goes, well, the other agents? And she goes, yes. Yeah. She goes, well, none of them went over this. So she got the client. So it's a very important word, very powerful word. Now, the second word we have is disclose. Why is that an important word? People love to be disclosed information. They don't want to be told anything. People don't like to be told what to do, but they love to have things disclosed to them. So the second word is disclosed. I am required by law to disclose to you agency. It's very powerful. People like to hear my, what's being disclosed. It's almost like it's a secret, like you've got important information. You are sharing that information. Third word, choice. People love to have choices. That's why when you go into firehouse subs, they have a Coke machine in there that will give you 6,184 different varieties of Coca-Cola. If you go to Europe, you don't get these kind of choices. When I, go to, when I went to Europe, You had Coke, Coke Light, and Sprite, and that's about it. Maybe Fanta. But here in the United States, everybody wants 60 million choices of breakfast cereals and Coca-Colas and you name it. So choice is important to human beings, particularly Americans. I am required by law to disclose to you agency at the end of my presentation. You will have the choice. You put the power in the consumer's hands. Not only are you giving them a choice, but you're giving them the power to make the choice. Now, representation and relationship kind of go together. Everybody wants to have somebody representing them. That's why all these athletes and celebrities have people holding their phones. They got agents. They got people. Everybody wants to have people. Secondly, relationships. Everybody wants to be in a relationship. That's why we have Christian Mingle and and all these other different types of dating apps uh, that you swipe left and swipe right. I don't even know what they're they're called. But anyway, we have all those because people want to be in relationships. So I am required by law to disclose to you agency. At the end of my presentation, you will have the choice as to the level of representation and what type of relationship you and I are going to enter into. Sounds pretty good so far, right? Lastly, you're going to finish up with the word writing. We are going to put whatever you decide, whatever you choose, into writing. And we're going to do that for your protection. Why those two words? Well, because you're required by law to put it in writing, first of all, and you can't get paid unless you have agency in writing. In writing tells that consumer, I've done this by law, but I'm doing this because I'm required by law, but I'm also going to put it in writing and I'm going to back up what I'm telling you today with a written document. Put my putting my mouth to pen to paper to back up my mouth. And that's what people like to hear. And protection. Now, so let's talk about protection. Is it really for their protection or is it your for your protection? Eh, technically I could say it's for both. Because the code in South Carolina for real estate agents is written for the protection of the consumer. It is proper for you to say this is for your protection. It's also for your protection as an agency because hopefully it'll end any issues of procuring cause, which it may or may not. You don't need to listen to my podcast on that. But what it will do is it will put in writing your expectations, their expectations, and it will create the client relationship you must have in order to provide those client relationships. So those are the seven words. I am required by law to disclose to you agency. At the end of my presentation, you will have the choice. And in that choice, you will get to decide the level of representation and the type of relationship we're going to have. Now, once you make that choice, we are going to put that in writing and it's going to be there for your protection. Now, at that point, I am going to quickly shift over to the differences between customers and clients in South Carolina. In South Carolina, if you want to be my customer, I can provide you information. I must deal with you fairly and give you good faith dealings. But that's basically it. I can give you readily available information. So quite frankly, Mr. Consumer, I don't know why you would want to be my customer because you could really do that on the internet all by yourself. You would not need my assistance. So quite frankly, if you wanted me to be my customer, I would just recommend you do it on your own. But because you obviously sought me out and you probably have already looked at the internet and realized how difficult it is and why the most consumers believe in real estate agents and the value of real estate agents, let me talk about my service to you as a client. Well, first of all, we have certain duties to you called old car duties. It is called obedience, loyalty, disclosure, confidentiality, accounting, and reasonable care. Are those duties important to you, Mr. Consumer? In fact, I would bet that the confidentiality is one of the most important Duties we have to you because I mean we already know the Russians have all of South Carolinians' tax returns. I must keep all of your information confidential. Anything I learn from you today, I must keep confidential. Even if you fire me, or we buy a house together, or the end, it just ends naturally. You have the right and I to expect me to keep all that information confidential, and I will. Same thing with accounting. I'm going to give you every single number where it comes from and why. If you want to look at all these duties, in addition to that, we have loyalty and you also have reasonable care. Now, I'm not going to give you reasonable care. I'm going to give you extraordinary care. And lastly, after I go over old car duties, I like to then talk about the three duties that truly separate a client from a customer. And that is the ability to advocate, advise, and counsel. Because that's truly what makes you an agent, is your ability to advise the client, to advocate for them, and give them counsel you cannot do any of those for a customer. And that is what really separates you from anybody is that your ability to give them good advice to to help advocate to get this deal done. And so at that point, I'm also explaining that I have these additional duties that I'm allowed to do for you as a client, but I cannot do for you as a customer. So if you need help on pricing, you need help on how much to make an offer, how much earnest money, anything that you would need advice for in real estate, I wouldn't be able to help And so if I'm not going to be able to give you advice, you might as well just go ahead and do it yourself because you're not looking for somebody to help you, really. You're just wanting somebody to open the door, and I'm not just here to open up doors. I am here to use my knowledge, my expertise, my experience to give you the best advice, to give you the best counsel, to give you the best advocacy to help you get into this house. And I think really those are the three things that you that separate customers and clients which should make somebody want to have you represent them in a client relationship versus a customer relationship. Because truly, there is nothing you can really do for a customer if you can't advocate for them, you can't advise them, and you can't counsel them. Those are the three most important parts of being a real estate agent. So why would you want to be my customer and not be my client? At this point, I think it's evidently clear that your consumer is going to want to sign up with you as a client and not as a customer. Now, as I've said before, we have talked this idea through with multiple agents, and they have all tried it and says it is very successful. So I would like you to try this and see if this doesn't give you a more meaningful explanation of agency, and let me know if it does not help you get more buyers signed. I believe it will. If you're able to show a buyer the value in signing agency with you, why being a customer of yours is not worth the time and the effort, why being a client of yours provides them all kinds of protections, then I believe you will wind up with more clients and less customers. So the challenge today for you is to go home and sit down, write down your agency disclosure, use these seven keywords provided by Ruth Marcus, practice it on a family member or friend, and see if they truly understand. Ask them two questions. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And secondly, would it make you less likely or more likely to want to go ahead and be in a client relationship with me? I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at the answer. And that is our section on Agency Today. We will continue this discussion. Waking up in the morning, thinking about so many things. Now to our quick take. Free Britney. Yep, that's right. Free Britney. Truly, I don't care. I don't like celebrities. I've never understood why people get so excited about seeing them. They're just normal people. In fact, most of them are just pretty screwed up. Case in point, look look at her. Look at Britney. She's a pretty screwed up person. Don't be rude. So what's all of it, this noise about? What's going on with this movement called Free Britain? Well, in a nutshell, since 2008, her career and finances have been in the control of her legal guardian and in a legal arrangement, what's called or known as a conservatorship. And that's because of alleged mental health crisis that she went through. And I think we all witnessed that when she took a umbrella to the side of a car and shaved her head. She had some issues, no doubt about it. Well, her conservatorship has covered not only her as a person, basically directing what she can and cannot do in life, but also her estate and her financial affairs, which are valued, I've heard, as high as 60000000 million. I've also heard as high as $100 million. So we're talking lots of money here. So a few years ago, I actually helped arrange one of these types of conservatorships for a man who had AIDS. He also had ma- massive drug issues and mental health issues. And so his sister came forward and and was asking to be his guardian to help him deal with his medical benefits as well as any financial benefits he might receive from the government. And there was really no money involved, but we got it done, and she was able to help care for him. That's essentially what this conservatorship's done. But in Brittany's case, it's a little bit different because you're talking about $100 million. And her estranged father has taken control of her sizable estate, which he did until 2019 when he stepped down as her personal conservator because of health reasons, but apparently he was healthy enough to still manage her finances. So that's what was most important, not her health, but her finances. Come on, man! So Brittany has now alleged that she feels this conservatorship has become very abusive, oppressive, and controlling, and is being used as a tool against her. According to the report from 2016, may have too much control over her life. And this was the court investigator's own report that they wrote. In November 2020, Brittany Spears asked to have her dad removed, The judge declined to remove her dad, but named financial firm the Bessemer Trust as co-conservators of her estate. So now he and this trust are co-executors of the estate. I can only imagine how much more difficult that makes sense. About a month later, the judge extended Mr. Spears' conservatorship until September 2021. So that should be coming up for, I guess, renewal here at some point or ending. In the much-anticipated hearing that was held in Los Angeles, Brittany asked the judge, to end the conservatorship so she could get married because she wanted to have more children. Allegedly, she's saying she wants to have a baby girl now. And she wanted to have her conservatorship ended without ever being evaluated mentally. Her address lasted for about 20 minutes. It was extremely emotional. And she basically condemned the arrangement, says that her parents, or or her conservator, rather, were forcing her to actually use birth control to prevent her from getting pregnant. She says the conservatorship is doing a whole lot more harm to her than good and that she deserved to have her life back. Judge said her lawyer could file a petition, and he would decide at the end whether he would end the petition or end the conservatorship or not. Now, experts in this matter, and I am not one, are split as to whether or not they think the judge will grant it. Some people think that Brittany hurt her own argument um, about how emotional she was and how unhinged she seemed. Others thought demanded compassion, and it showed a person who really wanted to get on with their lives and was being controlled. I personally don't care, um, no one in the media, nor I have all the facts of this case, so we don't know what all are in those medical reports. But if the basis for refusing to give her control of her career and life is because she suffers from periods of depression, which is what the media reports, then 40% of Americans would need entrepreneurship for their own. I'm just saying. That is the drama that is Britain. So now you know. You probably know more now than you wanted to. Waking but at Leisha, in the morning, taking up so many on. things. So the goodnewsnetwork.org has reported that charitable giving in the United States rose 5.1% last year to a record high of $471 billion in 2020. That just shows Americans always take care of each other. And while people continually try to put down our country, it's another example of that's not who we are as a country. From the Post and Courier down in Charleston, they say, soaring home prices and a surge in real estate sales that began in 2020 could actually create an unusual rise in property tax income for the South Carolina towns and and cities. They say that's because many houses are taxed at far less than they're worth until the ownership changes. And how the law says is that a sale can trigger a reassessment. So once that happens, the property is now taxed at its fair value, which means a large jump in the tax bill can come. Because other than that, you're only allowed each time they go in and do a tax reevaluation can only go probably at 15%. So this would allow for those tremendous increases. Now, according to Scott Slayton, he said, and he is the Director of Advocacy and Communication Municipal Associations of South Carolina, cities are going to see an increase in their property tax revenues simply as a function of prices being reset, sales prices. Well, hallelujah. Maybe they won't raise our property taxes this year. They've all been threatening to do. According to the M Report, representatives are now reintroducing the remote online notarization legislation. That was a month ago. U.S. Senators Kramer and Warner introduced what's called the Secure Notarization Act. Now, Representatives Dean and Armstrong and 31 other members of the House of Representatives have introduced this bipartisan Secure Act, which would allow for the immediate nationwide use of remote online notary technology, which would be included in closings. I will do a podcast on this soon, as Cynthia Blair in our office has been at the forefront in South Carolina of trying to get remote online notaries uh, passed. So I will bring her on and let her explain how this could change real estate closings forever and for the better. Now, in Forbes, Raul Elisade, I hope I pronounced your name right, uh, gives us three reasons why we are not in a bubble for real estate. Number one, no credit boom. Very little, according to him, is happening Of That is happening today. He said banks have actually had to have much more stringent lending standards, especially since after 2007-2008, and according to him, we have the lowest ratio of real estate loans to total loans for commercial banks since the 1980s. He also said the decline in real estate lending suggests that the driver of today's bull market in residential property is not due to speculation. Rather, it is the consequence of demand supply imbalance that was years in the making, which brings us to number two huge shortage of homes. He states that builders were hit really hard from the 2008 crisis and it took a lot of time for them to get back on their feet and resume normal operations. We know that a lot of builders simply didn't make it through 2008 and as a result of new supply of new units have fallen well behind the mounting need for the demand arising simply from the growth and number of new households. Also, uh, reason three, homes are now more affordable than ever. I know that doesn't seem right, but he said homes are at their most affordable in uh, more than a generation, mortgage payments for a median U.S. home have not been this low as a percentage of household income since at least 1984 when the series for household income began and probably for several decades before that. He says mortgage rates or home prices would have to actually double for the percentage to climb from less than one quarter of household income as it is today to about a third, which is where it was a decade before the pandemic. Those are your three reasons he does not believe that this is going to be a bubble. Nor do I. I think, I think he's right. And now on to coronavirus. Coronavirus! Coronavirus! So as of 6 a.m. on June 27th, we now have 153 million Americans fully vaccinated. That is 46.1% of the country's population, according to the CDC data. In South Carolina, we have almost 2 million people fully vaccinated, which is right at 32% of our population. So now let's look at the seven-day moving average. Of daily new cases, 11,343, that is a decrease of 4.4% compared to the previous week, and that from the peak is down 95.5%. You understand, that means 95.5% less cases than we've had, which means we're down to 4.5% of the cases remaining. The seven-day average of positivity cases is now 1.7%, 98.3% of the time when people test, they test negative almost 100% now. number of hospitalizations is also down 7.9% from last week. Deaths are down to 287, so we are still below, well below the 300. Now, what about in South Carolina? In South Carolina, the seven-day average of new cases, 96 cases, are as well under the 200 per day, um, which has been that way since June 3rd. And our seven-day average on deaths, two in the state of South Carolina, under double digits since May 12th. So, that's Gary's good news. And that ends our show for today. I hope everybody enjoyed the seven words of agency and look forward to you coming back next week. If you like our show, I'd ask you to please like us, subscribe to us and share us. But most importantly, please reach out to any real estate agent friends you have that are not getting this podcast and please pass that message along. We are averaging about 2,000 downloads every month and about 500 every episode. We'd like to continue to grow that and your help in spreading the word of Dish and Dirt would be greatly appreciated. Hope everybody has a wonderful weekend and we'll see you really soon.